This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Stuart Grazier. Stuart is a real estate investor in Denver, Colorado, and has created a business selling turnkey properties from afar while still working full-time in the Navy. He'll tell us how to start a business from another state and how to properly fire people that aren't working out. He'll also talk about the many life lessons that he's learned and how you have to have the courage to stand back up after failing. There's a lot to be learned, so be sure to listen to the end. Enjoy. Well, thanks a lot for coming on the show today. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let everyone know who you are and how you got into real estate investing. Yeah, hey, thanks uh, for having me, Sean. I really appreciate it. Um, my name is Stuart Grazier, and um, I have been an active real estate investor for approximately 11 years now. Um, I am uh, active duty Navy as well. So that's uh, my full-time job, and uh, real estate is kind of my side hustle. Um, I've kind of done a little bit of everything uh, except for probably uh, commercial multifamily stuff and uh, haven't done any development, but um, started... Uh, a while ago and been uh, have a portfolio of rental properties. Um, we've done uh, lending, have uh, mortgage notes that we own, uh, flipped houses, uh, done wholesaling. So I've kind of done a slew of, of different stuff, I've been all over the place, um, but uh, currently just focused on building our, our own uh, rental portfolio of single family homes uh, in different markets. And uh, also uh, created with my business partner, a turnkey real estate company about a year ago. And so we've been going strong with that uh, based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay, it's really cool. It seems like you touch on almost every single facet of real estate investing. How do you have time to do all that with a full-time career in the military? Uh, it's challenging, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, so lots of, lots of early mornings, um, lots of uh, you know, late nights, really important to put uh, you know, teams in place. Um, a lot of the, uh, the, the stuff I did earlier is somewhat passive, um, you know, buying a single family home rental property. Once you get property management in place, um, you're kind of hands off at that point, you know, and then just, you know, following up with some emails every now and then, uh, same with lending and same with, you know, owning mortgage notes. Um, the turnkey business that we started about a year ago is, is much more involved. Um, but, uh, you know, that started with putting, a really good team in place um, and, and putting, you know, some systems and processes and expectations uh, right from the get go. And, uh, and then, you know, just finding that time in between your, your full-time job um, to, to coordinate, you know, lots of weekend work, lots of early mornings, that kind of stuff. That's really cool. Like I think a lot of people's excuses that they don't have enough time to do something, but it seems like you went around that by just finding the people to do the work for you and leveraging their time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's super important. Um, you know, you, you really just got to build that team um, and, and rely heavily uh, on their on their uh, time as well. So, what are you doing in those early mornings and late nights? Um, so, a lot of just uh, planning, uh, engaging with emails. You know, setting setting uh, you know to do lists. Um, my business partner and I we have uh, a project management software uh, called Asana. Um, and, uh, so we, you know, we create tasks for the day, 
Uh, we have, you know, set tasks for every project. Um, so, you know, going through that every single morning, you know, following up on emails um, and then, kind of, you know, I have kind of like a, a morning routine as well, just personally that, uh, that I get to as well. Okay, cool. And how are you finding people that you trust? Uh, lots of due diligence, lots of trial and error. Um, we were really fortunate early on uh, to find a really good uh, realtor in Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, she had been in the business for a long time and doing real estate, worked with, you know, lots of investors in the past. Uh, and, uh, you know, we kind of got connected with her through some other, uh, you know, real estate professionals. And uh, we kind of just told her what we were looking to do, what we wanted to start. And, uh, and she, she just started running with it. And uh, it was pretty amazing. We felt pretty blessed to find her uh, pretty, pretty uh, quickly into growing our business. And through that, you know, she had a lot of leads and a lot of connections uh, to help us grow the team. So basically you find one really good person and then they work with someone else that's also really good. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, that's basically what I did with my out-of-state property too. Like I have something up in Jacksonville, Florida, which is 3,000 miles away from me. But you find one good guy, they know another good guy. A players know A players. Absolutely, man. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm in Denver, Colorado. Uh, my business partner, it, David, he is in Annapolis, Maryland, and our business is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So uh, neither of us are there on the ground. So we rely heavily on the team that's been put in place. So I actually do personal, I do single family flips here in the Bay Area. So I can drive to my properties all the time and it's already a headache. So how are you doing turnkey flips over in Milwaukee when you're over in Colorado? Yeah. Um, so Again, relying on the team, you know, we, we set standards where we require uh, weekly walkthrough videos. Uh, so our project manager um, goes through every house that we have um, under rehab, um, does, you know, full walkthrough videos, uh, sends to us. Uh, we have a full um, scope of work that's been laid out um, and, you know, a contract with each of our general contracting teams. Um, and, uh, it's just continuous follow-up and, um, you know, we have the uh, project management software Asana. And, uh, so it's just following up with those tasks on, on a regular basis. Gotcha. And how are you paying for the contracting work? Is it, you know, they give you a bid and you don't pay them until that specific line item is done or just pay them every two weeks based on however much it costs. Yeah. So we have a draw schedule. Um, we, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get, we'll put, uh, all the rehab funds in an escrow account that stays with the title company. And, um, then we have a draw schedule. Uh, we've tried a few different ways to do the draw schedule. Um, what we're currently doing is we do uh, 50% of the funds. So that way the contractor can, you know, buy all the materials, uh, and pay their labor and get going. And then, um, we don't pay the rest of it until the very end of the project. So 50% up front and then 50% the very end. Uh, that's after we have our inspection completed. And after we go through the punch list of things that we need to correct, uh, from the inspection, um, that's, that's seemed to work for us right now. Um, we try to do like a, a 30, percent up front and then a 20% halfway and then a 10 and a 10. And that seemed to just be complicated and it charged, it costs more for us because every time we send funds from escrow, escrow, it, uh, you know, it costs us money. So right now it's just 50 up front and 50 at the end. Have you ever had any delay issues? Like your contract oh, yeah. is super busy with like five different projects. Yeah. We, um, so we have, we have 
currently we have uh, four different contract teams, uh, contracting teams. Um, and uh, so winter in Milwaukee, Wisconsin um, can be, can be challenging. And that has definitely delayed us on some of our projects uh, this, this winter. Um, and uh, you know, we've, we've had to fire a contractor. Um, they uh, weren't honest with us and uh, they were, you know, really behind schedule. Um, I think they were, you know, doing work somewhere else and got behind there. And uh, so, you know, it came up to the end of our contract timeline and uh, our project manager went over, did a, did a walkthrough and they were nowhere close to completion. And, you know, they tried to, uh, you know, lie, they lied about some stuff. And so we ended up having to fire them and then um, get, you know, a new contractor to come in and kind of finish up the work that they uh, had done. Um, and it definitely cost us some money. Um, we, uh, about broke even on that project. Um, but, uh, you know, fortunately we didn't lose a ton of money, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a challenge. Gotcha. I mean, I like asking these questions because I don't hear any of this detail in any other podcast. So let's say you're, you need to fire a contractor for whatever reason and they've done, you know, they've done half the work. How do you compensate them for that time that they've been on your project? Yeah. For that transition? Uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, I'm not gonna lie, it was a little contentious. Um, it, there was some back and forth for sure. And, uh, you know, there were uh, some appliances that uh, were supposed to be paid for and they and they weren't yet. They they were uh, sitting in a garage uh, in, in their warehouse. Um, and uh, so it was really just kind of trying to find a middle ground, um, trying to find, you know, what they would be happy with and what we were happy with. Uh, probably in, in the end, uh, we we probably took more uh, of the cost, and uh, you know we we paid them what we you know came to an agreement on that they'd be happy with to walk away from the job. Um, you know, signed a you know a contract saying that uh, you know we are terminating this agreement, and uh, they walked away and moved on. So okay. um, it, instead of you know trying to battle it out in court or anything like that, we just we just kind of came to a number that uh, work for both parties. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it uh, got us to move on and get another contractor in there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, as long as they're happy, they won't stop on the kind lean on you and you have the opportunity to bring in a better crew to finish the job in a timely manner. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was, that was really important was, you know, the longer we went back and forth and, and argued about what, what they believed they deserved and what we thought they deserved, you know, uh, at the end of the day, it made more sense just to set a number be done with it, even if it was a little more out of pocket than we were hoping for. Better to just move on and and you know continue on with the job. Cool. Thanks for sharing that story. Yeah, man. So let's talk about your turnkey properties or your turnkey business over in Milwaukee. So what made you want to go to Milwaukee in the first place? Yeah. So we, uh, my business partner and I, had done quite a bit of research on different markets um, and ended up. Uh, he he um, has family members that are there in Wisconsin. His wife is from Madison, Wisconsin, and they had bought some uh, re- turnkey real estate from another company uh, about a year prior. And through that, he had kind of made some connections um, in that market, and uh, so. Uh, when we were doing more research, we kind of already had some connections there. And, uh, you know, we, we wanted to definitely get into, you know, the economic drivers of the city, you know, uh, and we saw some things that we really liked. One of them being that there was a lot of, uh, you know, growth wise in Milwaukee. There's a big company called Foxconn Technology. 
um, that had just uh, broke ground down in southern Milwaukee to build like a $10 billion plant. Um, and uh, it was going to bring like 15,000 15, new jobs uh, to this city. Is that Foxconn the same one that they make like iPhones and stuff? Yep. Okay. Cool. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and uh, we just, you know, saw a lot of opportunities there for growth. And uh, we saw, you know, some more articles about um, businesses and people move, moving from Chicago, leaving Chicago and moving to Wisconsin. You know, there's better tax laws and better business laws. And, um, and uh, so, yeah, so we just, you know, we liked what we saw. Um, the prices of property made sense to us. And, uh, you know, running the numbers as far as like a cash flow investment, um, you know, we, we saw that we could get really good returns for, for our clients. And how did you know your partner again? You said he lives far away from you too. Yeah, we went to college together. He was, he was my roommate uh, in school for four years. Awesome. That's the best type because you yep. know them before the business and you know who they are as a person. Absolutely, man. Yep. I mean, best friend. Uh, he was my best man in, in my wedding and, uh, it's, it's been fantastic. It's fun to work with, uh, you know, your best friend and talk to him on a daily basis. Absolutely. Is he doing this full time or no? No. So he's active duty Navy as well. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, both are almost at 17 years in the Navy. We have, uh, three more, three more years left until, uh, retirement. And then, uh, and this, then this is, uh, full, full blown our, our job from now on. So how are you currently acquiring your properties in Milwaukee? Yeah. So again, we rely heavily on our team, on our, on our realtor. Um, we started really just finding stuff on the MLS. Um, and we kind of identified some specific zip codes that, uh, you know, we thought would be really good, you know, kind of C-class neighborhoods, blue collar workers, um, uh, but still, you know, have, have, uh, good jobs that can pay, you know, um, decent rent, um, but just don't have the opportunity to buy. Um, and, uh, so most of them were at the, on the MLS at first. And then over time, we've started creating relationships with wholesalers. And now we're getting a lot of leads from wholesalers that are bringing us deals. You know, we, we told them if they bring us a deal and we have the money to, to buy it, then, you know, we'll keep to our word and, and, and buy it. So it's, it's created some really good relationships with wholesalers. So we're getting a lot of off-market deals now. Thank you. Remind me again, how long have you been doing this turnkey business for? Uh, a year, one year. Got it. Wow, so yeah. within one year, you already managed to kind of build this out. Yeah, yeah. So we uh, have, um, we did, we started, I guess, last April and we did 14 properties uh, basically in six months. And then uh, we've done uh, around two to three a month so far this year. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, man. Are you using the same fun. property management company that you guys have or is it? Yeah, we are. Okay. No, yeah. So we, um, that was another part of the team that we, that we vetted. Um, we own property ourselves on our, in our own portfolio. And uh, we use the same property management company that we, you know, refer to uh, our clients that are buying the turnkey property. Smart. Smart. Yeah. And, you know, we don't, we don't absolutely require them to use that property management company. Uh, they are more than welcome to, you know, uh, interview and ask, uh, other property management companies and use their own if they want to. But, um, you know, we have, we've, we've gotten them down to 8% property management fee, uh, because we brought so much business to them and, uh, you know, we just have really good relationships with them. So, um, can you talk about like, give me a case study of a property that you would purchase, like purchase price numbers, construction cost numbers, time frame yeah. to fix it. And then what your final sales price. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, uh, I wrote down here on, so we, we basically have a, a spreadsheet and we just plug numbers into it, um, for like a quick analysis to make a decision on. Um, and, uh, so we, we don't buy anything less than a three bedroom house. Uh, for some reason in Milwaukee, a lot of houses are three bed, one bath. Um, and, uh, so this one was actually a four bed, one and a half bath. Um, and, uh, we bought it for 36,000. Um, wow, so, so cheap. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. Yeah, especially for you in, in the Bay Area and also for me here in Denver, it, like, this is not non-existent. Um, but yeah, so we bought it for 36000 uh, It needed a lot of work. Um, it was a full gut, um, foundation, roof, HVAC, uh, pretty much everything. So um, it cost us $42,500 uh, in repairs. So um, one of the numbers that one of our rules that we shoot for is the purchase plus the repairs have to be less than 75% of the after repair value. And so on, on this property, um, our realtor did comps and, uh, it came in at a hundred really about 110,000 and we decided to sell it for 107,000 and it, um, it rented for $1,200 a month. So yeah, then we, you know, if you add fees in, we have, uh, we pay our realtor a fee or pro- pro- project management, a fee insurance, um, you know, utility bills, stuff like that while we're uh, doing the rehab. Uh, it took us about three months to do the rehab. And, uh, and so then we sold it for 107,000 to one of our clients. Um, and, uh, it was renting for 1200 a month. And, you know, we also make a rule that when we sell, uh, we want to sell it at a minimum of a 10% cash on cash return on day one. Um, and that's assuming, um, all the, uh, additional expenses, um, that, uh, we calculate for as a rental. Got it. So your end buyer should get a 10% cash on cash on their final product. Yep. Correct. Yeah. And that, um, that's, we, we believe is a very conservative calculation. You know, we, we calculate out, um, we include 7% vacancy rate, um, 8% property management, 5% for capital expenditure savings, 5% for maintenance, uh, savings. And, um, and then we, go kind of on the high end when, um, you know, guessing what type of loan the buyer is going to get, we use 6%, you know, 30 year mortgage. And so most of our clients are getting less than 6% on on their loans right now. Um, so we, we try to stay on the very conservative side. So a lot of, a lot of them are getting much better than a 10% cash on cash return. Very nice. And where are you finding your buyer pool? Um, just kind of through our network. Uh, a lot, a lot of them are, are other military guys. Uh, a lot of them are veterans, um, I have a separate website called military investor network, uh, that I created about three years ago. And, um, it's really just a place to, for veterans and for military people to connect that are interested in real estate. So a lot of it comes through there. And then a lot of it just comes through, um, you know, referrals and networking, you know, posting on LinkedIn, you know, friends of friends, that kind of thing. And your website, you know, he's talking about helping military like personnel understand how to do real estate investing. So, you know, what are some common questions that they have and what kind of advice or special tips are you giving them that only someone in your position would know that someone like me probably wouldn't be able to help them with? Yeah. You know, I, I would say that, um, a lot of people get stuck on 
not having enough money. Um, and, and that was definitely something that, that I got stuck on a lot when I was starting, when I was starting out. Um, and I would say the more you network and the more you kind of throw yourself out there. And if you truly do have like a deal, um, you're going to find the money. Um, and you know, being, being that like thought leader and providing value to others, um, and, and just basically telling people what you do, tell, telling people what you want to do, uh, you will find that very quickly, uh, people will start coming to you, um, and wanting to partner, wanting to offer, uh, money. So I would say, you know, to people that are just starting out and try to shift that mindset, um, to where, you know, you're not hampered by not having money. Um, I think that's kind of a big deal. And it was really a big deal for me as well. And in this turnkey business, uh, we've, we've used very little of our own money. You know, we have, um, quite a few private lenders, uh, you know, again, just people within our network. And as we started to kind of throw ourselves out there, uh, we found very quickly that people wanted to partner with us and really liked the idea of, of being a real estate investor. Um, so I, I think that's really important for people when they're starting out. Absolutely. Can you talk about your private lenders terms? Yeah, sure. Um, so, um, and, and this may change over time, but uh, right now we, we offer uh, 12% annualized um, on our private lenders money. And um, we, we do uh, depending on what the investor wants, we can do it um, just on one deal and we'll offer them a first lien position mortgage note um, that's collateralized by the property. Or if they want to keep the money rolling, then we can just do a promissory note um, back to, you know, by personally by, by us. Um, so, and we, we do 12% annualized for, for both, both uh, types. Makes sense. So let's say your project $39,000, you need someone to loan that whole 39,000 maybe someone else will come in with the funds for the repair costs. Yeah. So, on, so that, that deal that I was telling you about, um, it was $36,000 purchase, 42, five repairs. Um, so that was 78,500, uh, that we needed to close the deal. And, and then we had a $3,000 realtor fee. So we added that on top of it and we got a private lender to give us, uh, basically $82,000. So we used, none of our own money to buy this house uh, and close on it. And so the, really the only money that we used out of our own pocket was uh, insurance and, you know, paying the utility bills while we rehab the property. So really the, you know, the, the profit and the return on investment was, I mean, I have it written down here. So our profit was uh, around $19,000. And so the return on investment for that was 464%. Awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a pretty good deal. Just keep doing those and you'll be right? chilling very soon. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's kind of our, our typical deal is, you know, we buy it for 30, 40, $50,000, put 25 to 40 into it, sell it for around a hundred okay. and they all, and they all rent for, you know, 1100, 1200 a month. So it's really good cash flow for our end buyer. So I've actually been trying to write some articles on LinkedIn as well. What kind of stuff are you putting on there? And out of all the things you're doing, what gets you the most traction? Oh man. Um, you know, I, I write a lot of stuff, um, just about me personally, about my family and about, um, stuff that, uh, that would be pertinent to other military folks. Um, you know, a lot of lessons learned, um, stuff that's happened to me, 
you know, over, over my time and over my experiences so far. Um, I use the military investor network, uh, as my, you know, blog site. And then I will link that, um, onto LinkedIn for our posts. Got it. So you already write it on your website and you just share that onto LinkedIn. Yeah. So I, I, I use my website as our, as the, the blog and then, um, link that onto uh, LinkedIn for, for folks to go to our, to the website to read the blog post. So do you know your buyers or are they usually like an anonymous source from the internet that saw your post and maybe reached out to you guys afterwards? Yeah, we know, we know most of our buyers or they've been referred to us from other people that we know. Um, so it, it's, it's really important to us um, that, uh, you know, we're, uh, I mean, you know, they're people that we know, they're people that are in the military, that are people that are, that were, that were in the military. And so for us, it's, it's super important to be uh, transparent, upfront, honest, uh, and always let them know what's going on. We include them, you know, we show them the statement of work. We show them the inspection reports. We include them on all our weekly videos. You know, we tell them when something goes wrong. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really important for us to be upfront, honest with them all the time. Sure. Being authentic is a very rare trait to have in this industry. So yeah, man. And that, that was another reason why we kind of wanted to start this turnkey business because both my, my partner, David, and I had some not so good experiences with other turnkey providers. He, he had used a company um, and bought some originally, and, and he had a really, really, really bad experience, like, you know, straight up lying about things. Um, and mine was a little better, but uh, still, you know, communication was bad. Um, I have to continually, um, you know, look and, and, find mistakes in their accounting. Um, so it was really important for us to be, uh, you know, to be a really good service provider for our clients. Fantastic. So what's next for you? You know, I didn't get to meet you in person, but I saw you at the best ever conference in Denver and that's talking about multifamily commercial and you already had experience raising money. So it's going to be easy for you when you get into it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's definitely probably down the road. Um, you know, right now we, we are really focused on, um, you know, growing, growing the business, uh, and, and our company is called storehouse, uh, 310 ventures. Um, so we're trying to grow that, um, really get to where we, you know, our processes and systems are, are, uh, you know, really solid. Uh, I think we're going to try to expand into another market eventually. Um, maybe not this year, but, uh, we're starting to look at some different markets and, hopefully build a team over the next year uh, to where we can kind of have two markets going at least um, by the time, you know, my partner and I get out of the, out of the Navy through that will, will give us the opportunity to, to really build up our own capital accounts and then, and then kind of probably dive into the commercial space uh, either just use our own capital to buy a multifamily property um, as just a long-term buy and hold for cash flow or, uh, or do exactly that, um, you know, do a syndication, um, either, either in the single family space by, by creating a fund, which we've talked a lot about doing, uh, or going the multifamily route. Awesome. Yeah. You've already done this in Milwaukee. You can definitely replicate the exact same thing in a different market. Yeah, absolutely. In another podcast I had, if you have time, go listen to it. It's with Bobby Sharma. The exact same thing. 700 different single family homes all over the Midwest infinite returns just same as you guys they have a private money lender come in here they buy properties for dirt cheap you know 15 20 grand rehab them and then actually they don't they don't even sell them they hold on to them they hold them but they cash out of it by doing the cash out refi from a private money lender oh nice a private money lender 12 percent 
uh, they get their initial capital back, but the cash flow is just so great that it offsets everything. And so they yeah. have their money back and they can just keep going and going and going. So now they have over 700 properties and they're picking up like two or three every week or something crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, you know, we definitely want to want to expand. You know, uh, the challenge for us right now is just, uh, we run out of time. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we got full-time jobs. I have two young children, uh, David, he has three young children, um, all below the age of like seven. And, uh, and then, you know, we have our active duty Navy jobs. So, uh, once, once we're past the Navy stage, I think we'll be able to scale, uh, tremendously and, and get, you know, get going down that road. Absolutely. It's just something to chew on. Yeah. Oh, I love it, man. In the future. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So what is something that you know that you think most people don't know or something they have a misconception of? Like, I know you mentioned that people think that they need money to be in this business, but is there anything yeah. else that you see that people are always talking about that you're like, nah, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that, that was what I kind of had um, planned to, to talk about um, was just, just that misconception that, that, you know, you have to have lots of money to start and, and you really don't. Um, Another one that, that, uh, and this kind of goes probably to your next question a little bit more, but you know, a lot of people take so long, uh, to actually do it. You know, a lot of people think that they need just to educate themselves, analyze deals, um, and they never take action. Um, so, you know, I would say that at some point you have to take action. Like you have to just jump into it and it is, it's scary. Like, I'm not going to lie, you know, that first deal that you do, um, you're going to be really nervous about. Um, but, but that is the best way to learn, you know, it could go really wrong. Um, and you know, if, if you just take that and learn from it, um, you're going to be so much better off. That's right. You only grow in times of intense stress. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely true. Um, I, you know, I, I've definitely lost some money, uh, doing real estate. And, um, but I've learned every time, uh, and have grown from it. So, you know, that's, that's, that's another kind of tip for, you know, for people that are trying to get into the businesses, you know, analyze, learn, but at some point you gotta, you gotta take action and just jump into it. You know, I think we jumped right into your business. I don't think we got to hear your story. How did you get started with real estate? Cause it's not very typical for someone in the military to be out there doing notes and purchasing real estate and. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it started back when I was, uh, I was, uh, just graduated from college and I was in flight school learning how to fly, uh, in Pensacola, Florida. And, uh, there was another student that was a friend of mine from college who, um, had started buying raw land in, um, in Alabama, right across the border from, from Florida where we were. And I was like, Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that. And so I went across same area that he was in is Gulf Breeze, Alabama. And, uh, I, I just found a random realtor and said, Hey, I, you know, I want to buy some land. Do you have anything? And he showed me this new development community on like, you know, quarter acre lots. Um, they were selling for $50,000 each. And, uh, so I had some, you know, extra money sitting aside, um, and, uh, put $5,000 down and uh, got a loan for the rest just on a raw piece of land. Um, and uh, about a month later, uh, a hurricane came through and basically wiped out like the entire area. And, uh, you know, 
for me, I was like, I was devastated. Like I didn't, you know, know what to do. Exactly. Um, right? Yeah. After I bought it. And so, um, but you know, just kind of, just kind of, you know, sat through it again, kind of just took action and, and lesson learned from it. Um, but uh, about six months later, uh, I got a call from that same realtor. He said, Hey, stuff's starting to boom here. Uh, this little community that you had bought in, um, they're starting to build again. And, uh, I have a buyer for you. And, uh, so I bought it for 50,000, put $5,000 down. And, uh, he's like, yeah, I have someone who wants to buy your lot for $90,000. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I was ecstatic. I mean, this was like the best, best news I'd ever gotten. Um, so you know, I basically sold it to about eight months later, you know, going through the, the sales process, um, and, and made, you know, close to $40,000, uh, on this deal. And so I, I was hooked from, from there on. Um, so, you know, unfortunately the Navy and flight school, um, kind of slowed me down as far as continuing and, and doing more stuff. But, but ever since then, you know, I'd kind of gotten hooked on real estate and, um, and then I just started, you know, educating myself over time. Wow. Congratulations. So, Sounds like a great yeah. story. Yeah. Thanks man. So it's been uh, like, you know, almost 20 years of you doing this. Uh, you know, off and on, I would say, I say that, uh, I've, I've really been an investor for 10 to 11 years. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that first piece of land was, gosh, it was, uh, 17 years ago. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the, the next real estate decision I made was, was probably one of the dumber ones I made. I took all that cash and went and bought a house in, uh, San Diego, California, um, in 2005 and unbeknownst to us um what was going to happen you know two years down the road was a major crash but uh that was when you know they were basically handing out loans you know um to anybody who wanted to get a loan uh and uh, a friend of mine and i bought a really expensive house in san diego that we never should have bought in the first place did you buy it as so, an investment or for your own personal residence? For, yeah, for our own personal residence. So okay. that entire forty thousand dollars that I, that I made on that first land deal, I sunk into our, our personal residence in San Diego, and uh, ended up um, having to short sell that thing. Like, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, eight years later. Let's see, you know, so. it's actually. Thank you for sharing that. By the way, I know it's very hard to talk about. You know, the not so fun parts of real estate, and. You know, most people started around that time frame, maybe after the recession. So they don't really know what it's like to go through a short sale or, you know, foreclosure or bankruptcy. Now, I know you didn't go through that, but do you want to talk yeah. about the short sale process and how that affected you in the future? And how does that limit you in any way? Yeah. Um, so I would say that uh, the, the biggest uh, hurdle that it has caused is uh, my credit score. Um, you know, even, you know, it's not a bankruptcy or foreclosure, uh, but you know, a short sale credit quite a bit. Um, and so my credit score, um, it, it's, they, they keep it on your record for seven years. And wow. so it's seven just years for a short sale too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, uh, it's actually just now, um, got, got officially, uh, closed and dropped. So. Um, you know, that, that, uh, you can still do real estate without a, a really good credit score. You know, you can use private lenders, um, and there's, you know, ways around it. Um, but as far as like trying to continue to buy personal residences where you're getting loans for you to live, you know, you're living in your own personal residence, uh, it's challenging for sure. So even though you got burned so bad, 
how did you have the courage to continue on and do more real estate? Uh, well, you know, it goes back to just um, learning from your lessons. And, you know, I, I knew that real estate um, would be, you know, a career path for me uh, down the road. You know, I just loved it. I, I love the idea of, uh, of, you know, taking a house, fixing it up and making it nice for people to live in. Um, you know, I love the, you know, the opportunities that uh, is involved in it. And, you know, there, there are more millionaires made from real estate probably than any other industry. And uh, so, you know, I, I just knew that I would learn from it and move on and keep on going. So specifically, let's talk about this San Diego deal. What was the lesson that you actually learned from it? Don't bite off more than you can chew, um, you know, and, and crunch the numbers um, and understand, you know, especially as a military guy, um, you know, you know that you, this will not be your, your ultimate, um, property. And so you're most military people are forced to move, you know, every three years or so. Um, so if you go and buy a super expensive house and then you have to leave in three years, you better make sure that, um, you can either rent it out and, you know, cover your expenses or, you know, hope that you can sell it and the market hasn't crashed, which I think that that second half is a really bad way to go, which is what we did. You know, the, the real estate market was booming in Southern California. You know, it was growing like 15% a year. And so our thought was, oh yeah, you know, we'll sell it and make a million bucks, you know, in two years, three years when we have to move. Um, but that didn't happen. You know, we had that major crash in 2007, 2008. And, you know, we lost a ton of money on that house. Mm -hmm. So a really good lesson learned, especially for people in the military or, or really anybody that, um, you know, their job is going to force them to move at some point. Look at every property that you buy um, that you're going to live in as an investment and make sure that, that those numbers will work for you if you have to leave and keep it as a rental property. Very wisely said. People here say, have multiple exit strategies. That's the common term that they use. Absolutely. Like if you have, if you can't sell it, be ready to hold it. If you can't hold it, you know, maybe you shouldn't buy it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and, and that's that's a that's a really really big mistake that I see a lot of people uh, make in the military is they go and buy, you know, a really expensive house, and then in three years they have to move, and you know, they hope that they can sell it and get out of it because they're not going to be able to rent it and cover, you know, all their expenses. So what are some actionable steps that new investors can take today to start their path and become a real estate investor? Um, yeah. So a few things, I think one is, is really start networking. Um, you know, if, if you aren't actively going to, you know, your local meetups, um, you should start immediately um, and start going to those. Uh, start ne networking with people and find find someone who's doing what you want to do and latch on at the hip, you know, try to offer value to them in some form or fashion and, um, and learn from them and, you know, just continue to network and grow through that. I think that's super important. That's crazy because like the last five people I asked the question said the exact same thing. Oh, really? Almost in the exact same words too. They said, start networking. Find someone doing what you want to do and add value to them. And I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. So it must no, it's, be true. Yeah, man. It's, it's very true. It's, it's super important. Awesome. So those are all the questions I had for you. Do you have anything else that you'd like to say? 
Um, no, this was great. I really appreciate, uh, you know, allow me to come on and, and, and talk to your listeners. Um, you know, if there's any way that I can help, um, you know, please, please reach out to me for sure. And, uh, I can give you all that information in a sec. Sure. How can people contact you? Yeah. So, uh, for anyone that's in the military or, or ex-military veterans, um, then, uh, you know, I have, I have our website, militaryinvestornetwork.com. Uh, we have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram page. Um, you could email me, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, at Military Investor Network. Uh, and then if anyone is interested in buying turnkey real estate uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin currently, um, we have a website, storehouse310turnkey.com. And uh, it's just all one word, storehouse310turnkey.com. And again, you can email me, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, at storehouse310turnkey. Where did the 310 come from? Um, so it uh, comes from a Bible verse, uh, Malachi 310. And it, uh, it uh, says basically, uh, bring a tithe to the storehouse. And so that's a part of our business plan is um, 10% of all of our profits from the, from the business go to uh, a nonprofit uh, in support of, of military veterans. Awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Thanks, man. But yeah. Thank you very much for being on the show and everything yeah. you gave us today was so, so interesting. Good. Like, Good. Well, hopefully it'll help. Yeah. It's always cool because like you're kind of in that beginning stage of starting a turnkey business. The other people I talked to, he was already like, you know, 10 years down the line already. And like, I was thinking of doing the exact same thing that you're doing with my Jacksonville my Jacksonville realtor and his whole, his whole crew. Yeah, man. I mean, you find, you find one good realtor who has tons of connections and it's, it's, you know, fairly simple to put that team in place. You just got to put some processes, you know, set that standard right away. Um, and then, you know, figure out how you're going to manage it from afar. And, you know, the world we live in with technology, it's super easy to do. Like I've had issues with general contractors. That's why I was super interested. And I'm like, Oh, you fired one. How did you do that? <laughs> Yeah. I don't know no, how hard people to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, uh, it wasn't fun, but, uh, it, it just had to be, you know, candid with them. And, you know, at, at, we have a contract set in place. We have a timeline uh, for completion and, you know, we got to the date for completion and they weren't done yet. And, you know, they tried to say that they could finish it and they wanted more time. And we had already had a few issues with them before. And, you know, it was fine. Just like cut bait. You know, one of, one of the lessons fire fast, and hire slow. We kind of learned that lesson. We had let them do like three different projects and they kind of did some crappy work for us. And so we should have fired them a lot earlier than we did. Learning lesson, move on. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so cool, much. Man. For That's out. awesome. It's very, very great. We're looking uh, forward to it. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Bye. See you, Sean. Bye. Here are some of the key takeaways I got from speaking with Stuart. If you want to start a business out of the state, you need a key player. A players know other A players. In his case, his agent was top tier and helped them start their turnkey empire. When you work with someone, learn to hire slowly and fire fast. When you acquire a property, make sure you have multiple exit strategies. It's not always rainbows and butterflies. You can get burned in this business, but you need to have the courage to go back. This business is great in the long term, as long as you learn your lessons. For new investors, you need to shift your mindset. You don't necessarily need capital. You need great deals. If you get a great deal, the money will come. So go to networking events, 
find someone that's doing what you want to do and find a way to add value to them and just learn, learn, learn. Put enough energy and time into it and you will be successful too. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It'll take less than a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at seanpanrealty at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-A-N-R-E-A-L-T-Y at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great day.